Welcome to Art Ladders, The Creative Climb with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. This podcast is focused on interviews, features, and stories about art. It's for artists and art lovers. I'm Val. I'm the abstract artist in the group, joined by Armin, the realist. Welcome, dear listeners. Welcome back. We are here on an exciting episode. It is number 50. That is such a milestone for us. We have an artist guest here with us, good friend as well, Audrey Phillips, and she is from Florida, now living there, and she has a Bachelor of Fine Arts from University of Florida. She is exhibited across the nation and is in many private collections, both in the U.S. and internationally. In 2019, she did a wonderful commission of many art pieces for the University of Tampa. And so we are so excited that she's going to take us on a journey here. But hello to Armin out there in Podville land. <laughs> How's it going? Going great with hello. me. Welcome, Audrey. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys hosting me. Yeah, this is number 50 for us. And uh it's been a heck of a heck of a time and uh, always look forward to talking to somebody new. So here we are. Yes. And this is a new acquaintance for you, Armin. I actually met Audrey. Audrey, I don't know if you remember all this, but I'm sure you do. Way back in 2005, when we were with Paula Rowland out there in Santa Fe. God. Remember that? It's was, a that was it Ghost Ranch or it, was it the one in Santa Fe? Ghost Ranch? The one in Ghost Ranch. Yes. 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 And you were you were teaching us uh in the evenings a little bit about cold wax. And yeah. it was the first time I had even heard about cold wax. So yeah. That was oh my God. And it's like so full circle for me because now I'm teaching in Santa Fe. And now you're teaching out there. Oh my God. That's right. And we'll yeah. hear and, Oh boy. Yeah. That's that's super, but it's so good to see you again. And then I ran into you again at Atlantic Center for the Arts. Um, that was fairly maybe six years ago or so. Uh, tell us about you have a strong connection, don't you, with Atlantic Atlantic Center? Yeah. Center? yeah. So Atlantic Center for the Arts, um, I I knew about it before I moved to New Smyrna, which is where it's located. Uh And it's just such a remarkable um, venue for artists. It's set up mainly for uh, master artist residencies. Mm -hmm. In between those residencies, they, you can rent the space. And so I started teaching there like four workshops a year, (laughs) like quite a rigorous schedule to be teaching four workshops a year and painting. Mm. Um, But it's just, it's, it's got award-winning architecture. It is nestled in like the forest of Florida and they got like special permission to let there's boardwalks everywhere that get you from building to building And um, it's just that you just can't help but feel like you're in a big hug of nature because everywhere you walk, it's you've got these canopies of these oak trees that are it's just beautiful. So it's very inspiring to be there. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's top notch uh, studios for 
everyone for every um, kind of artist that's there because there's a dance studio, there's a writing studio, there's a music studio. So when all those master artists come in and start collaborating together, it's a really exciting place to be. And the public is invited to come see shows and their collaboration. So it's some place that's really near and dear to my heart. Oh, that's wonderful to hear more about that place. You know, I was down there for a brief period of time and I knew it was pretty special and uh, I was anxious to hear your take on it as well. So, well, let's start out then with your pursuit in art. And, you know, we usually ask our guests, did you start out as a child? Did you start out later on? And we're just kind of curious. My mom started me out really young. <laughs> she, she recognized my talent, I mean, immediately. Um, there's an interesting story about one of her best friends from when I was two, and I hadn't seen her in 30 years. And the first thing she came up to and said to me, she goes, oh, please tell me you're still an artist. And I'm like, I am. How did you know that? She said, well... She said, I used to come over to your mom's house for coffee. We were like best friends. And she said she would set you on the terrazzo floor with some paper and crayons and you would be there for hours. She said, you didn't need a babysitter. (laughs) And it was just the sweetest story to hear um, from someone who was just an observer of me and my mom, you know, and that support that she had given me from, you know, the time I could hold a crayon in my hand. So mm-hmm. she, she, unlike many parents and probably me too, who would say to a young person, <laughs> you know, have another major other than art, unless you're crazy like us, but you know, we do it because we love it. It's, you know, but my mom was the one that pushed me, kept continued to push me to art. And I think it's so important to encourage your kids. My dad was an artist. And uh, he always encouraged me to do art and uh, I knew it was okay. And, uh, you know, that was, that was uh, a wonderful thing. Yeah. I regret my mom's not here to see it. And, you know, that what I've done with all of her motivation, but I do think that, and I'm sure like you, when you guys teach, you see artists who have had, teachers or parents put negative thoughts in their minds and how they're still 50 years later carrying that that judgment around and it's you know that's a lot of what I work with in um, my teaching is breaking through some of those barriers which are psychological Mm -hmm. and and ways to do that so yeah so yeah I guess I started really young started very young and your your route into the arts, like you mentioned how folks send us into another career choice and you decided that you wanted to have a marketable career, something to do. So am I right? Did you go more into the graphic arts to begin with? I did. I, I, I was such an independent young woman. It's like I, I didn't want to depend on my parents for anything. And I thought, you know, I should probably do this. So that I have my independence and I can get a job and, you know, so I was very focused on, on that. And it actually served me really well. I had, um, 
when I moved to Orlando, I got this incredible job with the local newspaper here, which was a Tribune on property. And I got to manage creatives. I had like 16 creatives, writers, videographers, artists. And and it's that's helped me in my workshops because I know, you know, I learned how it it was really intuitive. You know, Mm -hmm. I think artists speak to artists on, you know, a level that other people can't. So it worked out really well for me because I was able to motivate the team and we just had such an incredible um, group of creatives there. So it works good. Oh, I bet I can, I can just picture you guiding them all on that, on those pressure jobs and deadlines that you would have Um, them calm down. (laughs) Yeah. It was all about the deadline and between between my parents and the work that that they gave me and those deadlines for, you know, 30, 40 years that I worked under, it's like, it's hard for me to stop working. I mean, I really am a workaholic. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of artists are. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, we're doing what we love. I mean, so you know, you're continually pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Now, your fine art journey. Um, I I I really want our listeners to hear your story, and I know you want to tell this story. It is so uh, meaningful. So let's let's start. Let's then. Yeah, you're, you're around your mid thirties, probably, or. Right yeah. at that time. Okay. Yeah. And I was working at the newspaper and, you know, had no uh, thoughts of leaving. I, I truly loved it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at the office that morning when my dad called and said that my mom hadn't come home. And so, you know, the alarm bells went off and he said, just sit tight. We're going to get through the day and see. And then, you know, the phone call came later that, you know, you need to get up here. Mm-hmm. So my mom and one of her employees um, were found murdered and oh. life changed. Um, and so for, you know, there's a lot that went on after that. Obviously, there a trial and all of that stuff that you have to go through. Um, so I went on. It totally changed me. As far as my spiritual, religious beliefs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I went on a journey that lasted about 10 years. And so I do what most people would do, which is, you know, you go to therapy, you mm-hmm. cry a lot, you scream a lot, you, mm-hmm. you get through it. Um, and then I started doing yoga and meditation mm-hmm. and that really gave me some grounding and those were really meaningful years for me but it wasn't until like the 10th year after her death that I found art again mm-hmm. like you know I mean I was do, doing art as far as designer but that kind of operates more from up here rather than from here That's and right. From, comes yeah. from your heart, yes, the art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my best friend lived in Albuquerque. She said, "Come up. I want you to 
come over here and we're going to go rent uh, a cabin somewhere in the woods. And I just went to the creativity workshop and we're going to do these things. And, and so that's what I did. And we ended up in Santa Fe and I, it, something happened to me there, you know, mm-hmm. we started doing these things and then I just spent like the entire time creating one piece right after another. And they were all faces, um, kind of faces that were, you know, hard to look at. Uh-huh. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing this with any intention of becoming a fine artist. I was just trying to heal myself. You know, I was mm-hmm. from the, my mom saved my journals, like when I started them in third grade. So I had always been a journaler and, you know, kind of a seeker on the inside more so than the outside. And so this started to uh, bring me some relief to paint these faces. And I think that one of the reasons that I painted faces is because I would look at myself in the mirror every morning and go, how do I look the same? You know, like, how how am I still put together in this body when I feel like I'm shredded to pieces? Mm. And that I started to paint the face that I felt I truly was at that time. And they were really kind of raw and rough and tough to look at. But a friend of mine encouraged me to, you know, show them. And so my little design firm was right across from a restaurant. And I asked them, can I show? Because they had shows. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, yeah. You know? And so I hung my show. and. Some of them sold. And I realized that, you know, people relate to pain, uh, no matter what it looks like, you know, that they saw something there that they related to. So it was kind of a risky thing for me, very vulnerable to put that work out there. But I did it. And that was the start of everything. You know, somebody from the Orlando Museum came and called me and Uh, It was a group of local artists that had shows there at the museum and Mm -hmm. it just kind of started from there. And I did those faces for 10 years. Um, And at the very end, they, they were so different from the beginning. I mean, I could see that I had healed and they were, you know, things that were, um, just on, uh, the polar opposite on an emotional level from where I had started. And at that time, then I got introduced to abstract art and it was the perfect segue because I was painting from that space inside, but now I felt like I had, it was a transformation that was happening that, you know, and I could see it, you know, I, and I was so good. I photographed every piece and put it in my inventory and so, and so chronologically, you can see a progression of this really hurt. <laughs> I felt like I was a hurt child, you know, and, and the depth of that and losing my mom. And you can see, you know, the progression of transformation that lifted me out of it. And it was all due, it was that last piece, you know, all the th- other things, the yoga and the meditation had helped, mm-hmm. but that last piece of art and sticking with that, that totally brought me out of it. 
Oh my goodness, uh, that is something. I so was this a slow? I mean, you did the faces. You didn't just decide, okay, enough of that. I'm going to just go non-objective, abstract, or. Well, that I had done the faces for ten years and shown them locally here in Orlando and sold them. Mm-hmm. So when I started, um, a friend of mine called me and she was in New Smyrna. Now, this wasn't with Atlantic Center for the Arts. She says, but I think you want to come over here and um, take a class with this teacher, Steve Imony. Mm-hmm. And for those people who've worked with Steve, he's the master, right? Master. He teacher. is. Yeah. And that that was my, you know, that started me on my path to abstract. And so I had a foot in both. I was doing faces and abstracts for about five years. And then I finally decided okay i'm an abstract painter and i got rid of all the faces and uh, i'm looking at one of the faces right now and uh the way they're presented you know there's some writing on it and it, it they are powerful pieces i must say they're they're pretty intense yeah, yeah. there's some that have never been shown that are yeah. yeah and you know i'll keep those forever because it's, you know, that's such a pivotal moment in my life in so many ways, just totally. And to go through that experience and mm-hmm. rediscover art and to know that my mom was the one, you know, it's like she was still there, <laughs> you know, just keep going, girl, keep going, keep going. And now, you know, I use that process of that openness. It's like grief is such a weird and personal journey it's different for everyone and even within your family it's different it changes the whole dynamics of your family but it's an opportunity because it busts your heart wide open and cannot keep up your walls when you're in that kind of grief you're just totally vulnerable to everything and so in a way that served me because then I was able to channel that everything that I was feeling through me without me pushing back down. I just didn't have the capacity to do that because I just felt like I was busted open for mm-hmm. several years. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that when you did the faces that you were screaming out more than now that you're doing the abstraction and, and bringing things in more? more peaceful kinds of things. Yeah, I I really like the way you say that. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's a really great observation. And you're right. It's, I I just felt like, can't you see me? You know what? It was strange because people didn't know, and this is so common and it, you have to have grace for people because they don't know what to say to you after something like that. You know, um, it's a little bit easier if it's something that you're ill for a long time, but when boom, you know, a life is gone and then someone else has taken it, which makes it even more complex. Mm-hmm. Like you just like, okay, you don't trust humanity. It brings up all kinds of really, really deep issues. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of lost my train of thought there, but just that you're vulnerable and you're mm-hmm. open and so it informed its pivotal in that it it changed the way I lived 
and it changed my lifestyle. It also uh, gave me content of how I wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's teaching to tap into that place with inside, you know, within us um, and trying to learn how to quiet the voices that are getting triggered when we do create art. I mean, cause you can just put a couple passes on a painting and your critic is right there, you know? Yeah. And so it's like the, the creative capital C creative is here. Right. You know, pure and urging us on. And then there's the critic here, you know, so we're dealing with them both. And how do you, how do you talk this one down and bring this one up and make peace with that? And, create authentically, you Mm -hmm. know, from what you are, because we're all going to create art differently. And, you know, the the other thing I (laughs) recommend is get, get off of Instagram. You know, if you're having (laughs) too much critical thought in your head, get off of it for a month, Mm -hmm. you know, and see what, what, what is, what's really going on inside of you. Because if you just keep going back to that, and it's triggering your insecurity or uh, I shouldn't be painting or whatever that voice is. You've, you've got to get off of that. It's like a drug. You know? I was going to say, you get addicted to the likes and such. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get a few likes and you start questioning your own piece because you yeah. didn't get as many likes. And that's very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, it, it's it's uh, so much. It's so funny because when I went to college, you know, of course, I was kind of bucking my parents at the time. And I thought, well, what would I do if I didn't do art? And um, I was interested in psychology. So I just, I was always that kid that even, you know, I found like stuff from when I was a kid as writing down these quotes from, you know, some philosopher or something. So it's just always been part of my makeup. Uh, I thought it was interesting that I would thought about studying psychology, but in the end, I got, I got a lot of, uh, therapy <laughs> one, one way or another. Yeah. What's, what struck me, Audrey, is when you mentioned that people didn't know how to react to you or how to talk to you, that yeah. is, that is so, um, I was just listening to, I think it was, it was, it was Brene Brown talking about the difference between empathy and sympathy. And the empathy would be where people could approach you, could talk to you and what you are now giving back to them, you know, artists starting out on their journeys is the empathy, the being in their shoes. You've been there. And I just find that just a good combination for your, uh, for your students and also for you as an artist that give and take back and forth. Yeah. Do you feel artists definitely? And I think I already know the answer to this. Talking to artists is comes easy for you because you've, you know, you've had the creatives and the ad world, and now you're here in the fine art world. You've had many, many experience, both bright and dark. And so for you to, to help an artist, I think would just come just naturally out of you. Yeah, I think that it does. You know, I'm always that person that's sensitive to other people's Mm -hmm. situations emotions wherever they are um so i think that it that does come easily to me Mm -hmm. you know and 
you know, now if you put me in a room, I was, I was speaking to one of the women that I was coaching and she was, she's getting ready to do some public speaking. And I said, I know, I hate public speaking too, you know? <laughs> and she says, really? Cause she's taken some of my classes. She says, well, you don't have the workshop. I said, well, that's, you know, that's like, family to me That's <laughs> <You know? funny. laughs> when I'm with other artists it's like you just are open and and you know you're I don't know it's a different situation so I agree with you there mm-hmm. it does actually and um you know I think that because I've been maybe a few steps ahead of them you know I can relate to them and help to you know bring down some of those walls that we have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when you teach a workshop, uh, talk us through that. How many, what's your perfect length of a workshop? You know, what is the format? Yeah. Oh boy. We experimented with that because you do three days and it's not long enough. Okay. (laughs) People are, and even with five days, people are still wanting more, but Mm -hmm. I've stuck with the five day workshop and Mm -hmm. it, seems to be really uh, a good format. I spend the first couple of days, um, day one, I really like to have collaboration with the artist because mm-hmm. I think, number one, it's been proven that you retain and learn more when you're collaborating with another person or persons. And so the first day is about collaboration not only so that they get to know each other, but that whole thing that I think that they remember things better because they remember, oh yeah, I was talking to this person or that or working with them. And um, so day one is always just a fun day. And I think that fun element is important because if you're having fun, you're open. You know, your body is open if you're fun and if if you're having fun and if you're laughing, it's just, it opens you up. So I kind of like that day to be that fun exercises, but still teaching, you know, I'll do some demos, uh, on that first day, they'll do work and it's just all, everything is kind of centered around fun and collaboration, but it's also well thought out that all, everything that's being created is going to guide them for the next few days. Mm-hmm. So Day one is that. And then there's more uh, intense, um, you know, skills to learn that happen on day two. So the basics of everything that we're looking for, color, color mixing, uh, what happens when you put color on a canvas that, you know, sometimes it's good to stick with black and white versus color. The moment you add color to the eye as if you're working on composition, it makes it a lot harder. Mm-hmm. So helping people with those decisions, you know, if they need to start off slowly and move into color is one. Um, but, you know, tools and different kinds of tools and tools that you make and making the most out of the tools that you've got. I find a lot of people, you know, just helping them how to hold a brush you know, and use their non-dominant hand and, uh-huh. you know, work with those brushes and, and use the side of them, not just the points and, you know, really push that sort of thing. Um, and composition and, you know, the whole, all of that, that, uh-huh. you know, list of the main things, the skill things that you need are always in there. But woven in 
is always we begin the day with a meditation um, that again to kind of encourage opening um, and it's then the the last three days are people are working on their work mm-hmm. you know and that starts in the afternoon of day two and then those days I'm helping people one on one just coming around. At helping them where they're stuck. Uh, maybe they're at a place where they need to make some decisions or maybe they're stuck completely and I take the painting away and they start working on some paper pieces because then they're, you loosen up on paper more right, so. Right. You know? So just kind of assessing where they're, they are and helping them to make the next step. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that can be both skill skill related or um emotionally you know where they are like oh take a break go go walk outside and you know walk the boardwalks at ACA or you know get out on the on the um in Santa Fe um there's just such a beautiful place to hike around there go take a 15 minute hike and you come back and you have new eyes you know you see so differently after you simply take a break Mm -hmm. your students are they uh coming or abstraction? Uh, do you have any students that are realists trying to become abstractionists? A little of both? Or? Um, I'm trying to teach intermediate, advanced, abstract. Okay. Um, and so intermediate can be somebody who has been painting for a long time. And you can see that they're starting to move into more abstraction. Um, so that's that's a good fit that yeah. that work, um, you know, it, and and they know, you know, now if there's somebody that's never painted, they don't really know about color. You know, they don't know about the tools or the brushes. That's not a good fit. Um, but there are plenty of beginner teachers that I know that I could refer them to. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and it's, you're always, as a teacher, you're always trying to put together a group that is cohesive and that will work well together. So it's got to be, you know, if I'm concerned that somebody might not be a good fit, I'll, I'll, we'll call and I'll have a conversation with them, you know, to figure out if that, if it's, if it is a good fit for both of us, Mm -hmm. because they don't feel like they're, you know, way, way behind everybody else. You know, they'd rather be in a class where they feel like, you know, they're with equals. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think to have some foundation is important. Otherwise, it's like picking up an instrument and saying, I want to play jazz, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you have to have some understanding of, of composition, of, uh, you know, uh, the practice of painting, putting paint in a brush. Because abstraction is not easy. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to put marks <laughs> on here. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it, it's the hardest thing I think I've ever done. And I, I, I remind students, it's like when they start, it's like, okay, you just invited a problem into your life. <laughs> it's about the five minutes, you're going to have a big problem. But I think that that is what um, keeps us there. You know, I think it's, why people move into abstraction, because I think otherwise you can easily get bored. Um, You know, I always think, oh my God, if I was painting still lifes or landscapes, unless I was like, you know, traveling the world and doing landscapes, I think I would get kind of bored with that. 
but with abstract, you just, you know, you never know what, what it's going to bring to you to, you know, some days it's like, oh my God, you know, it just happens. That's so rare, you know, but it, that motivates you to keep trying. And then some of them, you just have them around for months and you continue to, you know, once you get to that stage, it's talking back to you and you're talking back to it, you know, mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll just set a painting aside, turn it to the wall or put it in a different room and come back to it in a couple of months. And it's it's kind of like that's really what needed to happen because I couldn't see where it wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it like all of a sudden I was in a different place. So I knew what to do to it. So you have to have patience. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, and that some and you have to know. I think one thing that's really important that we're always trying to learn within ourselves is that when we're working on a painting, we do reach that place of tension where we're working at and working at and working at, and then we kind of don't know where to go. And so we have to know whether is this the place to push it or is this the place to withdraw? Because it's kind of like a bow and arrow you know, and you've got, you're aiming at it and, you know, the tension is really there. And do you feel like, oh, I'm going to let go and it's going to work or wait, I've got to, I've got to pull back because I know that I'm tired or Mm -hmm. I'm not intuitively feeling what the next step is. So there's that tension that um, gets created between you and the canvas and knowing how to deal with that what your personal knowing is of how to deal with that is important, I think. I also think when people look at abstraction, I'm not saying all oh, people that are, are, are versed with an abstraction, I think they have an easier time of it. But when somebody looks at abstraction, they think you just did it, boom, boom, boom. And they don't see all the steps that go into it, all, all the things you've scraped off and put back into it. Because yeah. it, it, it's such a process. Uh, I I was in a show in Santa Fe and, and I do mostly graphite work, but there was a woman that did this with one line, did this cat, and it was perfect. The contour line was perfect. And I said, How'd you do how'd you do? I did 90 of them, she said, until she got it right. Yeah. right? So you, you you miss that process of how the artist mm-hmm. works. Yeah. Well, in my well, work, I work with a lot of detail and people, oh, this how long did this take you and this nonsense? So, you know. It's kind of fun to take pictures of them, you know, and then to go, then I'll look back through my photos. It's like, oh, that's what that painting used to look like. So it's, it's always fun to like take the steps, you know, pictures of the steps. But also I think that what you guys are doing are a lot, it's allowing other people to, you know, realize that, oh, you know, you know, when somebody asks me, how long did that take? I say a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It took a lifetime because, you know, it, it is. It's just like a doctor. You don't want you know, to. It's like chapters in a book, you know. You you go yeah. on and you grow and uh, as an artist. And I think if you stop growing, you, you know, it, I don't know what, what. Should I start taking up bowling at 68? I mean, I have to keep doing this. Right? <laughs> so, you know. Uh, your earlier abstractions have, a, uh, have kind of an, an Eastern or an Asian feel to it. Was that something that? 
<laughs> that must have been another lifetime because I'm as southern as you can get. You know, sure. like, have you have I'm you been southern. told that though? Yes, I have. I have. Okay. Well, and you know, calligraphy was one of the things in college that I was really good at. Um, and so I I think, but this the marks that I make in painting, you know, they're not calligraphy from the wrist. You know, they're like. From here, mm-hmm. like from the whole body and from, you know, my elbow or, or from my shoulder rather mm-hmm. than this. So I, I think that there's so much expression that comes through on those kind of marks. Mm-hmm. And um, but, you know, it's kind of interesting that they have an Asian flair because, you know, I'm Eastern philosophy is definitely a part of, you mm-hmm. know, my studies and who I am. Yes. Um, it, it's never been an intentional thing. It's just, no. uh, yeah, it just kind of comes through. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. I lo- and I, when you mentioned the calligraphic marks and coming from the shoulder, I can picture you doing that and, and, and working in that scale. I'm right now, listeners, I'm looking at a painting behind Audrey and it's, it's a large painting and the mark making on it is absolutely gorgeous. The color scheme is a compl- beautiful complementary coral pinks and deep dark greens. And looking at that piece, I I'd like to hear some of your influences, some of the artists that you admire and love. Yeah. Oh, I wish you would tell me that that question. This is where I go blank. Um, well, I mean, obviously, Joan Mitchell and the a top of the line, you know, for me. Oh. One female, one male, but uh-huh. both of them to me were just the masters of abstract and that uh, Cecily Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as an artist that's alive, oh my God, I, you know, her work is um, just it's, young- it's luscious, is a good word for it. It's just, yeah. But her process too, that she takes oh. these master images that have all these human figures in them and then she totally just deconstructs it all puts it back together and you can still see the figures in there but they're you know things are here and there and everywhere but somehow she's pulled it together I just she's amazing exciting you know and when you're teaching your workshops you're you're teaching them large scale correct am I right on that Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why we want those studios where you can paint large. I was just telling the, uh, talking to the students for uh, the September workshop. I said, and, you know, whatever you do, bring a big, one big canvas at least. If you paint small, you just want that experience, you know, want something to be able to let loose. And, you know, and a lot of my stuff too, like some of those marks, the calligraphic stuff, Mm-hmm. It's made with me with the canvas on the floor and I'm Ooh. painting above it. Uh-huh. So my canvases are up on the easel or down on the floor, back and forth, back and forth. So, and it's kind of interesting because if you're painting on an easel or on a wall in front of you, you're mm-hmm. kind of equal, you know, your, your canvas and you are kind of like face to face as if you're having a conversation with each other. And then when you put the canvas on the floor, it's like all of a sudden you're kind of a dominant person. Yes. yes. And and you can use your body 
a lot uh, more powerfully mm-hmm. when you're standing above it and moving around it. It also gives you the opportunity to walk around the canvas and see it from each angle, which to me often um, clues you in on spaces that need to be have more work. So mm-hmm. doing that, a walk around your painting and looking at it from each side uh, can give you information. It's just like proofreaders that used oh. to turn the page upside down mm-hmm. to proofread. Because it disengages that visual, you know, connection to the brain and it makes the brain work a little bit harder to see the words that are off. And so I kind of feel like that that can happen in painting, too. And I encourage it, you know, because as a strong if whatever your dominant hand is to your Mm -hmm. eye, to your brain. You know, if you've done it over and over and over again, it just kind of becomes a routine. Mm -hmm. Whereas let's say that you do yourself blindfolded and you do, it's going to be totally different because those neural pathways aren't just keeping, you know, driving through the same movement, you know, and using your non-dominant hand, another one, you know, but it's not a familiar mark. Right. be something a little bit more unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. Oh, you know, you see people putting mm-hmm. their brushes on a really long stick. So they, oh, I love that. Those mm-hmm. kinds of things too, and it's that mm-hmm. accidental process that you would never get, quote unquote, on purpose. And it lives within. I mean, Val was teaching a class one time, and uh, an abstraction class. And I went in there just to kind of goof around a little bit, and because I'm a realist, I'm like, okay, let me do this. And she looks like. That's not an honest brushstroke. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't. It was a realist trying to be loose, you know, and there's not uh, quite as awkward looking than that. You know. <laughs> we start there, right? Yeah, right. Start, you know? we've, we've had some crazy times, I'll tell you. <laughs> I've had two artists. Two artists going at it. <laughs> from different perspectives, which yes. I think. Awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. I see why great conversations come from that rather mm -hmm. than you being the same. It does. It really feeds us. Well, and, uh, you know, we have more in common in abstraction than people think we might because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's my favorite art form to look at, Mm -hmm. you know, to understand and to be part of it in some ways. And, you know, I look at yours and you're working with diptychs here. some triptychs too. Uh, there's a, there's this kind of flow in your work with the diptychs, especially that that you know, I, I I like the sense of mark making in that. And, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. beautiful. Well, yeah. a lot of it is you know that the long brushes, you know, or or you know taping your brush to you know a dowel or something. Mm-hmm. That's a constant thing that I'm doing. I'm always trying to let go of control. If I'm if I'm controlling things too much, I've got to step away. I mean that that's one clue for me. You know. Do you do you often ask yourself, what if I did this and what if I did that? Something you have never even heard before. Just experimenting with tools and mark making things that you. Yeah, but you know, I don't have and since I've started painting abstractly, I haven't had a lot of time for that. Uh, 
because when I started, I was still running my design business and Mm -hmm. doing art. So I was doing both. And um, then when I quit the design work, I started teaching workshops. So it's been busy, you know, to Mm -hmm. do that. And probably COVID was the closest that I ever got to that. And my work did shift. Um, And it it's still nature and all of its nature inspired. The previous work I think was more inspired by the ocean because I was living at the ocean and mm-hmm. I grew up on the ocean on the Gulf of Mexico in the panhandle of Florida. So that it's hard to get that out of my blood. Mm-hmm. I lived in Biloxi for two years. Oh uh, yeah. I'm a Mississippi girl. So that's oh, where well, I was in the, I was in the air force. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask one quick question. You do you bet. think you learn from your students as much as I think I learned as a teacher, I, I have learned more art from my students by answering questions by the, let me get back to you on that. It, it's an, I think teaching artists are the best artists in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> well, and I think for me that being in the classroom with them, we're all learning. And they, they teach each other. They teach me. It's just, it's such a fertile ground. And the other thing for me is creating new curriculum, new exercises, Mm -hmm. new, new ways to teach that I'll, because I'll think of an exercise, but it's like, oh, I better do it because (laughs) I'm in that boat. Oh yeah. Yeah. I recently did that. And, um, I was like, oh, I'm going to teach different ways to start an abstract painting, right? So uh-huh. I better try these out. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. It worked. <laughs> right, right. But I've had those that are like, oh, that's a bomb. Don't do that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, in regards to your workshops, are there, op- they fill up, they fill up fast. Are there any openings available? I think you have one in New Orleans coming up too. And one yeah, out in New Santa Orleans. Fe. Yeah, so the one in uh, New Orleans has a few openings, and that's November 6th through the 11th. Okay. And that, that's at Paint Space NOLA. Paint Space NOLA, no. and I'll put it in show notes. Perfect. And um, Santa Fe Artist Getaway, that one is September 25th through the 30th. Mm-hmm. That one you could get on the wait list because it's full right now, but people, something always happens. It seems like. So if you're interested, I think it's good to go ahead and, and get on a wait list. No obligation at that point, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's a few at NOLA uh, mm-hmm. openings. So both of those, thank you for asking about that. Oh, you bet. And I want to ask you also, any plans, big dreams for 2024, years coming ahead? <laughs> well, <laughs> right now I'm already, uh, I mean, in May, I started working on the workshops. So oh, that okay. is, yeah. So from January through May, I painted to get inventory for my, um, my galleries. And then I jumped right into workshop stuff because it, there's a lot of time that goes into creating them and, yeah. All the handouts and, you know, it's, it's just a lot of uh, preparation that happens. Uh-huh. And 
you know, rebuilding a new curriculum, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the fun part is being there for the week, you know, with yes. all the, that's, that's the payoff of all of that. So the two workshops are, are what really I'm, have my eyes on as far as the rest of the year, because it'll uh-huh. be before you know it. It will, won't it? And so if I've got your flow right now, between January to May, you're pretty much in your studio working on your work. Is that what? And then yeah. you, yeah, that's well, awesome. I'm still trying to figure all of that out. And I here's the other thing that I have started doing because, you know, I run this business single-handedly and uh-huh. you know, it's like bookkeeping, all this stuff happens. So sometimes I'm at the computer every day, all day for a week or a week and a half, mm-hmm. you know, plus I'm coaching clients. Yeah, that's true. I love, uh-huh. I love that. It's such a intimate relationship mm-hmm. because it's such a deep subject when you're starting to work one-on-one with someone. Yes. So I, I love that. And so I've got that going. And what I've started doing is instead of like, I have to have immersion time. So I'll just tell everybody the week of this to here, I'm not here. I'm, I'm not answering, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part, this is going to be studio time. Mm-hmm. And that's been so helpful for me rather than trying to fit it in on the weekends and, you know, this and that. So I'm trying to I'm going to slow some things down so that I can paint more. Uh-huh. Definitely. Oh. But you have to find your groove and, and whatever yeah. it is, whether, you know, if you, I have a friend who gets up every morning, paints a couple hours, you know, have mm-hmm. coffee, you know, and it's like, oh, that's so great. I, why can't I do that? You know, <laughs> it just is better for me to have a week. A week blocked out in your mind. See, Armin is the type that gets in there every single day. I'm the type like you, Audrey, I'll get kind of involved with the administration part. And then hopefully I'll block out four or five days right in a row. And that's the best when you wake up that morning, go, all right. Yes. Four days to paint. Yeah. Is that the best feeling? It is. It It is is like a vacation. Well, and my, when I first sent out the message to my coaching clients, I said, who wants to join me, you know, in this oh, week? Yeah. So a couple of them did. And then now they're starting to do that too. You know, they're going to give themselves their, their own artist retreat. And yeah. So I told them what it looked like for me, like meditation, I'm going to take a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like I teach the lifestyle that I live, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's how I get into the studio. Um, so it's interesting because then they're all sharing what they did and how that week went for them. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Armin, you usually have some last thoughts and questions before. Well, you know, I was, I was looking at her work. I was I like that. I have two monitors. So when we interview somebody, I always like to look at their work when I'm talking to them and, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I marvel at your sense of composition and sense of color. Uh, color is a big, important thing for you. And, uh, you know, coming from a graphite artist, I'm like, oh, there's color out there. (laughs) There's color. (laughs) Graphite, Armin, you know, graphite is such a beautiful um, material to work with. I was just working with loose graphite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
it's just, you know, you can create some beautiful things with that. And I've done some abstract drawings too mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. graphite because, you know, I think bottled down is in there somewhere. I'm an abstract artist, but <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So Valerie, you have to, you know. I guess I'll something. share a couple of secrets with him. <laughs> I think it's his wild side that wants to be the abstract artist. That must be what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah. You know, we, when I see Val, she's up there doing this, you know, <laughs> listening to classical music. I'm, I'm, I'm going like this, listening to Mattel. Heavy metal. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. So when are you going to break loose and get a big canvas and start throwing some paint on it? Yeah, Armin. <laughs> Do it. Listen, I, I, okay. leave, I leave that kind of stuff up to you guys. You, you know, <laughs> if, just, if he does, Audrey, you'll be the first to know. I'll send you an ask right out. Let's make a commit now, and then six months we'll come back. A commit we'll now. Yeah. Yes, let's do it. I love <laughs> that idea. I studied in Europe. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn all old master methods because I wanted to be an abstractionist. For the first two, <laughs> four years, I did nothing but abstraction. And I was, you know... Uh, I was mimicking all the people, the Deben Corns, all the people I loved so much, and I didn't find my own language, so I went back into realism. That, that's kind of, in a nutshell, how that happened. Yeah, well, you know, you come by it, it comes to you. I mean, unfortunately, you, you can see how it came to me, but, you know, it. I mean, it couldn't have been a better healer because, think about it, you have to pour yourself out, you know, mm-hmm. stay open you know, staying open is the only way really to create abstract art and, That's you know, true. too much, too much thought, you know, yeah. and I've got an active brain. Sometimes I want, like, it never stops. Sometimes I wonder, you know, that's like where I get relief is when I yes. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I don't listen to podcasts when I paint. I, I paint mm-hmm. in silence. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think that's my, it, it still is my place of healing and a, my place to retreat and kind that's of get. Thanks to it, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really that's such a beautiful word. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I always tell my students that if you buy a piece of abstraction, you see something new every day. Uh, I specialize in, in winter trees. You buy one of mine, you see winter trees, you see it the next day and the next day. <laughs> you know, they're nice and all, but abstraction opens you up as a viewer differently every yeah. time you look at it. And it's yeah. yeah. I'm so glad we circled back to the, basically the healing power of art and how it can help change everything really. By, by what you've been telling us. So thank you for that, Audrey. Oh, and, uh, my pleasure. Best, yeah. Best yeah. Uh, Anybody, even if you're not an artist and you're dealing with pain, it's, you know, you can still do it. It's mm-hmm. just, you just start. And, uh, and, and also in the show notes, we had a, uh, one of our earlier podcasts was titled The Art of Grieving. And it was an artist, Preston Zeller, who um, did a painting a day for a year after his brother passed away suddenly. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for our listeners as well, because, yeah. you know, that cumulative listening to this uh, power of healing, I think is very beneficial for, for everyone and for artists in particular through our podcast. Yeah. I like that idea of showing up every day to do yeah. that. Yeah. Because, 
you've committed to that and, you know, it forces you to, you know, it's kind of makes you accountable when you, when you have a commitment like that, that you're going to naturally have a space to Mm -hmm. deal with that grief. To deal with that in a timely way. Yeah. 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 Well, I hope our paths cross in person soon, Audrey. I do too. That this would be fun. And Armin, I want you to be in person. <laughs> I would I, I would like to if I ever go somewhere. <laughs> I'll get him out of the house, Audrey. <laughs> thank you, uh, and thank Armin, you thank you so, so much. Thank yeah, you. For the opportunity. You're very welcome. And uh, it was a, a pleasure talking to you. And, oh, my God. I love talking to both of you. My heart felt um, sorry for the pain you went through. I can't even imagine that. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad you found art as a way of release. And it's so important. So. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, art Ladders, the creative climb sends a thank you to our sponsors, Golden Apple Studio and Residency, located in down East Maine. I will be returning there in July, and I'm confident I will return with artwork to fuel my busy exhibition season for 2024. Artists, plan now for your own time away in 2025. It's never too early to think ahead. For all the artists located in Maine or on the East Coast, please mark your calendars for this July 12th from 2.30 to 4.30. That's a Wednesday. I will be presenting a talk on the many textures achievable with acrylic paint. This Golden Artist Colors presentation is packed with info for all paint nerds like me. Afterwards, we will have time for a relaxing meet and greet with the residents and hosts of Golden Apple. Thank you to artist and director Shelley Stevens for providing this beautiful environment for artists. Email her at snstevens at goldenapplestudio.com for more information. Thank you for listening. You can find our past and future episodes at anchor.fm. Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook page, Art Ladders, The Creative Climb with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. Special thanks to our producer, Taylor Kramer of Cold Shower Media. And check out our websites, ValerieAllenArt.com, ArminMersman.com. Stay creative, stay curious, and we'll see you next time.